Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of The Informed Catholic. My name is Ned Jabbar, and this is going to be episode 42 of The Informed Catholic, episode 42 of 2021, uh, which I call it season three. But anyway, um, we're going to do the readings for Thursday. Uh, the fourth uh, week of Ordinary Time is the Thursday of the fourth week of Ordinary Time. Uh, before we go any further, uh, for those of you who are listening to this podcast on Google and possibly the other, um, what do you call it, um, podcast platforms, you probably will notice that for some reason, uh, episode 37 and 38, which was the readings for uh, last Saturday which was the end of the third week of ordinary time I mean of the um, of the of the of the third week of ordinary time and the readings for Sunday for the fourth week of ordinary time have not for some reason been posted um, on Google podcast and the other podcast platforms I don't know why I believe the reason why is what this is what I think. I tried to be a little fancy by putting some music. I wanted to put a little music at the beginning of the podcast to add a little spice th- uh, to it. Uh, I chose some kind of soundtrack that had a Kiri uh, liturgical, kind of fancy liturgical music to the uh, beginning of it and a litany of the saints at the end of the episodes. And that's probably because I'm using music from Spotify because Anchor is um, owned by Spotify. Maybe they'll post it sometime later. I don't know. Uh, probably without the music, uh, with the the the, ba- the music for the beginning and the end of it. Uh, I want to apologize to you guys. You can go to Spotify to listen to it. It's still free. Spotify podcasts, or go to Anchor. You can down, you can go to Anchor, and listen to it there as well. So, um, at some point, I'm guessing they might post it on the um, on these um, pla- uh, other platforms. So, anyway, uh, apologies for that. I don't want to. I would if I don't see it within some point. What I'll do is. I'll probably do another um, reading and post it again. The problem is I don't write scripts, so I don't want to do anything that sounds contradictory in my interpretations of the text. Um, I'll listen to them just to uh, to uh, to see what I said, but it's just I don't write I don't write anything down, so um, it's just a lot easier to go uh, freestyle. I don't think I would say anything contradictory. It's just will be a whole new thing over again. So, um, you know, apologies if it doesn't show up anytime soon. I'm going to wait to see what, um, you know, what the, re- you know, when they'll post it. And then if not, I'll figure out what to do afterward. All right. So let's begin with the act of contrition. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. 
I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy. Christ have mercy, Christ have mercy, Christ have mercy. Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy. Kiri elision, Kiri elision, Kiri elision. Christe elision, Christe elision, Christe elision. Kiri elision, Kiri elision, Kiri elision. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to people of goodwill. We praise you, we bless you, we adore you, we glorify you, we give you thanks for your great glory. Lord God, Heavenly King, O God, Almighty Father, Lord Jesus Christ, Only Begotten Son, Lord God, Lamb of God, Son of the Father, you take away the sins of the world, have mercy on us. You take away the sins of the world, receive our prayer. You are seated at the right hand of the Father, have mercy on us. For you alone are the Holy One, you alone are the Lord, you alone are the Most High, Jesus Christ. With the Holy Spirit and the glory of God the Father, Amen. <clears throat> okay, let's go to the readings. Um, I believe we're still doing Hebrews. Yes, it's, we're getting pretty much to the end of it. All right, so it really is annoying. I feel bad that you guys are not being able to listen to it. But um, um, I might do it again. I'm going to try to see if I can do those episodes again, those readings again, for uh, maybe by the end of the weekend or before the weekend is over, before the start of the new week. All right, so let's begin. Uh, first reading. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 18, 19, uh, 21 to 24. Uh, you have appeared, you have approached, I'm sorry, you have approached Mount Zion and the city of the living God. A reading from the letter to the Hebrews. You have not approached that which could be touched and a blazing fire and gloomy darkness, and a storm, and a trumpet blast, and a voice speaking words such as those who heard begged that no message be further addressed to them. Indeed, so fearful was the spectacle that Moses said, I am terrified and trembling. No, you have approached Mount Zion and the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and, uh, and countless angels in festal gathering, and the assembly of the firstborn enrolled in heaven, and God the judge of all, and the spirits of the just made perfect, and Jesus the mediator of a new covenant, and, and, sp and the sprinkled blood that speaks more eloquently than that of Abel. All right, we'll read it one more time. Reading to, reading to the letter of the Hebrews, reading 
to the letter of the Hebrews, chapter 12, verse 18 to 19 and 21 to 24, you have approached Mount Zion and the city of the living God. You have not approached that which could be touched and a blazing fire and a and gloomy darkness and storm and a trumpet blast and a voice speaking words such that those who heard begged that no, no message be further addressed to them. Indeed, so fearful was the spectacle that Moses said, I am terrified and trembling. No, you have approached Mount Zion and the city of the living God the heavenly Jerusalem and countless angels and festal gathering and the assembly of the firstborn enrolled in heaven and God, the judge of all and the spirits of the just made perfect and Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant and the sprinkled blood that speaks more eloquently than that of Abel. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Okay, one more time. You have not approached that which could be touched and a blazing fire and in gloomy darkness and storm and a trumpet blast and a voice speaking words, words such as that those who heard begged that no message be further addressed to them. Indeed, so fearful was the spectacle that Moses said, I am terrified and trembling. No, you have approached Mount Zion and the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem and countless angels and festal gathering and the assembly of the firstborn enrolled in heaven and God, the judge of all and the spirits of the just made perfect and Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant and the sprinkled blood that speaks more eloquently than that of Abel. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Okay, so let's see what the Holy Spirit is saying to us here. All right, you know, when I, um, just to give you a little something, when I interpret something, I'm not making it up, okay? Uh, I'm not doing that. I, what I'm doing is I'm reading, I'm interpreting it as I have heard other people interpret it, as I've listened to priests on what I, you know, books that I've read. Uh, it's, um, these are not interpretations from my own personal, I mean, I'll tell you if it's my own personal uh, theory, but everything that I have heard I've, I've listened to other um, Catholic Bible scholars, uh, people like Scott Hahn, uh, other podcasts that I've listened to other priests interpret it uh, when they do interpret scripture, uh, what I've heard on YouTube. And, you know, what I've read from commentary and um, that's basically how, you know, I learned. I'm only... Um, sharing with you what I've learned. So, no, I'm not a theologian. I'm not a scholar. I have no degree in, um, what do you call it, um, uh, Catholic theology. I wish I did. I hope one day I can pursue it. But 
I, I'm, I'm basically sharing with you what I have learned from others. So it, you know, you, you know, you could go out and, you know, you can, like I said, if you have any suggestions or disagreements, you can go on my Facebook page, the informed Catholic and share it with me and tell me where, where I'm wrong. I really would appreciate it. I would love to hear from people um, on on podcast episodes. Uh, I really would appreciate it. Another thing, you can actually access those those episodes. I did post them on the Facebook page. So if you want to listen to them, you can go to the Informed Catholic on Facebook. And um, you can um, access them from there. So... Uh, those two episodes, episodes 37 and 38, um, you could access them on my Facebook page, the, Enforce, uh, the Informed Catholic. All right, so let's continue. You have not approached that which could be touched in a blazing fire and gloomy darkness and storm and a trumpet blast and a voice speaking words such as those who heard beg that no message be further addressed to them. All right, this passage here is recalling the event when God gave God um gave the 10 commandments to Israel after the ex, uh after their 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 exodus from Egypt following their exodus from Egypt and the parting of the Red Sea and Moses brought them to mount um the Sinai uh to receive the covenant and the people, uh, they were told, God told Moses to make sure that the people do not touch the mountain. First, they were told that they had to wash their clothes, dress up um, to um, remain pure, uh, not, you know, not, nothing about them unclean, uh, to prepare themselves. And everyone had to stand at a safe distance at a pr certain perimeter and make sure none of the animals touch the mountain because the mountain would be holy. Anything that touched the mountain, uh, you know, if it goes against God, would be have to be struck dead because it's not consecrated. The people had to consecrate themselves. They had to be brought to the mountain, and then they would have to agree to receive the law and the covenant, the covenant from God. This is like a covenant, as Scott Hahn said, is not just a contract. It's not a contract, a deal between uh, just two parties. It is a pact. It is a like a marriage pact that basically Israel was marrying itself to God. Okay, we we have a different understanding of covenants or contracts. The old in the ancient world, especially when it's um, human beings break their covenant. God never breaks his covenant. If God made a covenant with you, he's going to hold on to that covenant no matter what, even if it goes several generations. That's why God made a covenant with Abraham and that covenant with Abraham, remember what he said, that through you know, this covenant, it would be a covenant that would be an everlasting covenant that would stretch out from generations passed Abraham to his sons and his sons' sons and the generation after that. And God will fulfill this pact, fulfill, I'm using the word pact because it's a slip of the language, but he will fulfill his covenant 
his promise. And it would and into you know, and that covenant was uh reached the point in Jesus Christ. He made this covenant with he renews always renews his covenant. And he keeps reminding them, it's because I prom what I promised Abraham. Remember when Moses at the burning bush, what did God say? I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. I am the God of your fathers. And Jesus himself reminded everyone. He said, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He is the God of the living, not the dead. So this is something that he renews. And what happened? We know that he made he renewed the covenant. Moses was the mediator. His brother Aaron was the high priest. Moses was the one who, who, who helped set up everything. He was sort of like the stage manager, you could say. He helped, you know, he designed the tent. You know, God, God gave him the, the blueprint for the tent, the whole blueprint for the worship service, the sacrifice service, the rituals that they had to keep. But originally, everyone was supposed to be a priest. All the men of Israel. But because they built the golden calf and defiled themselves by going after a, going, coming up, going after a false god, going after something that is temporal that is earthly that is material and robbing god uh of his rightful glory and and giving something uh attributing something that belongs to god Every, all attributes belong to god he's the god of the, the air the earth life the sea the plants he created everything but you know human beings when they create gods we attribute like Thor, the god of thunder, or Zeus, the lightning god, or Neptune, the god of the sea. All that is like you're taking something and you're like disrespecting God and you're giving it, you're applying it to something that is a creation of your own imagination. And so he gets angry. He's jealous because his glory belongs to him. And these things are not real. They're made of wood, stone, and metal. And so therefore, it is a disrespect towards God. You know, like Aphrodite, the goddess of sensuality and sex and fertility, he's the one who creates fertility. He's the one who created sex. He's the one who creates life. He's the one who created the, the nature of mating. Instead, we, we rob him and we take it and we take a, a, a particular attribute and we give it to a, a false God, it is robbing him. And so therefore he gets angry and he has a right to be angry. And when we, when, when the term fear, I've said it before, fear of keeping our relationship with God. And I want to say this, it's not like being terrified of a father who's going to come and beat you. It's fear in a sense that you don't want to mess up this relationship you don't want to violate it you want to protect it just as much he is jealous because he will not have he will not be robbed and he will not be insulted the same way you should be jealous and guard your relationship with god that's the same thing. I think the fear has to be translated like that. This is my own personal view, but I believe I'm correct about it because I've, I've, you know, I've heard priests, and I've heard, um, 
other um, Catholic interpreters interpret it that way. It could be interpreted in, in other ways, but I don't believe I'm wrong in this one. So going on from there, uh, the blazing fire. So the people got scared and they said to Moses, we don't want to hear the voice. We don't want him talking to us. You deal with it. You let him talk, you know, you, you talk with him. You, you receive it from him. They were so terrified. They didn't want to hear it. They didn't want to get close to the mountain. They didn't want to hear the voice. They didn't want to look at the mountain. They were so terrified and they were so, they, 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 they were not awestruck. I mean, after everything that happened, the parting of the Red Sea, the plagues on Egypt, the pillar of fire that came down and blocked Pharaoh from getting close to them. Miracles for, I think, for spiritually dead people, I truly, and this is something I believe, I think human nature is so, um, can be, either, either you really are in search of God and you want to see God, you want to experience God, you want to experience a miracle. But for some people, they're so spiritually dead that it, no miracle is possible to convert them. No miracle is possible. It doesn't make a difference to them. And the Israelites, um, the Israelites that came out of Egypt were spiritually dead. Not even the terror of the angel of death converted them. Think about it. The the water the, the water turning to blood didn't convert them. The toads, the frogs didn't convert them. The lice didn't convert them. Um, the um, the hail didn't convert them. Nothing. All these particular things did not convert them. It didn't make a difference. And finally, with the angel of death, it didn't convert them. The parting of the Red Sea. Walking on dry land while the water to their right was a wall to their right and a wall of water to their left, it didn't make a difference. The pillar of fire did not make a difference. The darkness, the shadow of darkness over, over Egypt did not make a difference to them. The manna coming down from heaven did not make a difference to them. The water from the rock did not make a difference to them. The miracle of a tree branch making the water sweet and fresh did not make a difference to them. So what can we say? The truth is people ask for a miracle like Jesus says, and the truth is it will not convert them. It will not convert them unless you really experience God. Unless you really, your your relations, you really want God in your life, you'll appreciate it. And miracles are not just tricks. They have signs. They have meaning. And some people can read the meaning. And that's what, that's, that's, that's how I see it. All right. Going on a little further here. Um, so. No, uh, they begged that no message be further addressed to them. Indeed, so fearful was the specter that Moses said, I am terrified and trembling. Even Moses was terrified. No, you have approached Mount Zion. 
Now, what is he saying here? What Mount Zion is he talking about? They're in Jerusalem. And you know what the Mount Zion that, they're t that he's talking about here? Is the upper room. The upper room. Yes. The upper room. Why? Because when Moses, God told Moses to set up an, uh, an altar, an altar on the mountain. And on that altar, the, he brought all the heads of Israel, including Aaron and Moses. And on that mountaintop, they ate bread and wine. Bread and wine. And in front of them, just a few feet, God came down, the cloud came down, and all they could see was God's feet. Yes, all they saw was God's feet. If you read the book of Exodus, you will see this chapter. I, I wish I could pull it up right now. I hope one day to... Um, I'm sorry about that. I... But if you go, if you get a chapter that outlines the scenes, the Israel, Israelite heads, all the chief, the elders had to st sit there, stand there or sit there and they ate bread and wine. And because bread and wine was a covenant and the reason why is because in the Holy of Holies, there's a, a, an altar, a golden altar made of Agakia wood. And on the on the on the on that altar, the golden covered in gold, is bread and wine. The priests, the priestly line of Aaron, every Saturday had to eat the bread and wine, and there would be new bread and wine brought in. New bread is called the bread of the presence, and they would have to eat it in front of the presence, in front of, before the curtain. This is the second curtain. You know, you know when they go past the first curtain, then there's a second curtain that's in front of the Ark of the Covenant. Then there's the golden lampstand, the menorah. They would have to eat the bread and wine every seven days. So they, in order to make this pact, this covenant, had to you know, stand or you know, however the altar was done. They would have to eat the bread and wine. And God was right there. The cloud was the curtain. You get it? The cloud was the curtain, and they saw the angels. And below God's feet, the ground was like a crystal sea. The same kind of the same scene that John in the book of Revelation saw. So you see, they had to on the mountaintop. So this was a type picture. The the letter of the Hebrews was taking this scene. And applying it to the Last Supper in the upper room. Instead of God sitting in front of them, apart from them. Now God in Jesus Christ is sitting with them at the Last Supper. And what happened? It was God who initiated the bread and wine in Jesus Christ. You see, and that was the new Mount Zion, the upper room. Instead of in front of them, hidden behind a cloud, or 
as the priests had to renew this pact every every Sabbath, the curtain was in front of them where the ark was, where the where the presence of God on the mercy seat. Now, on the, the Last Supper, on that Passover, in 33 AD, on a Thursday night, they, the apostles, 12 men, with the Lord Jesus, he was hosting the dinner. I have greatly desired to share, to, have, to, to eat this Passover with you. And then he changed it. He changed the Passover, took the, took the, the bread, blessed it, and, would, and he said, this is my body. He took the cup of wine. This is the, my blood of the new covenant. So that became Mount Zion. That's why the letter, the writer, the author of the Hebrews is calling it, you are now on Mount Zion. Think about this. All of Jerusalem got destroyed in AD 70 during the Jewish revolt. The temple was destroyed. All the house, except that neighborhood, except that building was still standing. The building that was important to the Christians. That became their headquarters. That became the spot also for the Pentecost. That, that building still, still stood. That room, the upper room was still there. It didn't, it didn't get touched by the fire. So you see, it was special to them. It's, it's Mount Zion. It's the real Mount Zion to them, where the Mount Zion in, in Sinai Peninsula was, yes, historical Mount Zion, where the Ten Commandments and where the covenant was made, where Israel made the covenant as a nation. The new covenant was made for the whole world in Jesus Christ in Jerusalem. So that's why. Let's continue. So, um, he goes, no, you have approached Mount Zion and the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem and countless angels in festal gathering and the assembly of the firstborn enrolled in heaven and God, the judge of all and the spirits of the just made perfect and Jesus the mediator of a new covenant, you see, and the sprinkling, the sprinkled blood that speaks more eloquently than that of Abel. You see how he ties all, how he beautifully, it's like a, it's like a musical sheet. He's tying it all together. He's putting together the, um, the salvation history, the epic song of salvation history. All of it is being put together. Abel was a shepherd. Abel offered a sacrifice of lamb. Cain offered, did not offer a proper sacrifice from his heart. He didn't even, even though he was a farmer, he didn't offer good proper sacrifice. He was stingy, maybe, I guess. And he got jealous. If that's, you know, if that's the only thing he got jealous of, but he was a very um, earthly person. He was a very material person, I guess. And he turned on his brother. And Abel is a type figure of a, of a, Cain was actually the firstborn. Abel was the second. And Cain turned on him like a Judas. 
And God warned Cain, remember? You know, sin is at the door, crouching, waiting to, to, wait, waiting to master you. If you don't master it, it will master you. God gave him good advice. And what happened? He murdered his brother, who was a type of Messiah, a type of anointed one. And he killed him. He murdered him. He didn't kill him. He murdered him. And that's why he said, speaks more eloquently than the blood of Abel, than that of Abel. The first martyr in history of the whole world, the first martyr and the rest of mankind under Cain went straight into madness. And he, you know, he, he, you know, in the firstborn, he means because of the new covenant, those who are baptized in Jesus in those early days, in the early days of the Christian church, were the firstborn and the first martyrs to go to, to enter heaven, to be the first ones enrolled in heaven. And God, the judge of all, and the spirit of the just made perfect in Jesus the mediator of a new covenant. He's talking about the the communion, the Eucharist. He's talking about the the they, they that the truth of that meal that they ate on the mountain, that they ate before God, and the meaning of the same bread of the presence, which remember David received from the high priest when he was running away from Saul. And remember what Saul did when he found out that the priest shared the bread of the presence with David? He had all the priests murdered. Saul was acting like a type of antichrist. He had all the priests murdered out of jealousy because Saul decided to become an earthly king and he and he could not he could not be a spiritual king. He couldn't be like what David David, even though David did commit a sin, but David repented. The difference is, is Saul was prideful. David did suffer from pride. And David had to suffer the consequences of sin, and he admitted he was a sinner. I mean, Psalm 51 is a good evidence of that, right? But this is, you know, like I said, you really, you know, if anything, read the letter of the Hebrews for Lent. Read it for Lent. If you can look up, go online, you could look up things. You can even go on YouTube to look up stuff. It's really worth reading, and it's also a good way for you to start developing an interest in the Bible as a Catholic. You know, it's really worth it. Okay, so um you know this is this this is the this is the this is what I'm this is what I've learned from others and I'm doing the best I can to share it with you. And I hope you you know I hope this is helpful for you. I really do. I really hope it's helpful for you. I mean it's you know there are others that are far better than me. I know that. But this is, I guess, maybe because I'm not a professor, I guess maybe I'm hoping I'm, I'm communicating it to you in a simple way. Um, but, you know, this is this is what I've learned and this is what I've, uh, you know, I've always remembered. And this is what I'm sharing with you. So let's go on to the, the Psalm, Psalm 48. Okay. Um, hold on here. I hope I'm reading. Oh, sorry. This is Psalm uh, 48. And the response is, O God, we ponder your mercy within your temple. O God, we ponder your mercy within your temple. O God, we ponder your mercy within your temple. Great is the Lord 
and holy to be praised in the city of our God. His holy mountain, fairest of heights, is the joy of all the earth. O God, we ponder your mercy within your temple. Mount Zion, the recesses of the north, the city of the great king, God is with her castles. Renowned is he as as a stronghold. O God, we ponder your mercy within your temple. As we had heard, so we have seen in the city of the Lord of hosts, in the city of our God. God makes it firm forever. O God, we ponder your mercy within your temple. O God, we ponder your mercy within your temple. As your name, O God, so also your praise. Reach, your praise reaches to the ends of the earth. O, of justice, your right hand is full. O God, we ponder your mercy within your temple. Okay, now I want to uh, say something. Now, Mount um, Sinai is obviously the mountain where they received the te- uh, the Ten Commandments and the, and the covenant was made. Mount Zion is, they, they, the, the temple where Jerusalem is, is often referred to as Mount Zion. But everything is a, a blueprint of the heavenly temple. Mount Zion is also a type figure of the heavenly Mount Zion that is in heaven. That is in heaven. That is in the in the, in the world that you can't see. Just like God gave Moses a a blueprint of the uh, of of the portable temple, right? And the temple in Jerusalem is a blueprint of the heavenly temple, because the Jews know that temple can be destroyed if God abandons the temple. God is displeased with Israel, and He's done it. Right, we we know it happened. Solomon's temple was destroyed by the Babylonians, and then the temple just again was destroyed by the Romans. If God is displeased with them, He can abandon His temple. He doesn't need the temple. He gave the temple to them, as as a as, as you know a substance of the faith, a, a physical substance of the faith. And Israel broke its covenant with Him. Israel was un, was unfaithful, so. The, you know, the Mount Zion, uh, the Jews will tell you, it's like, okay, yes, just like the Olympic, the Olympian, the Olympian gods have a Mount Olympus where the gods live, or there is Asgard for the, uh, the, the North, the, the Scandinavian gods, uh, live in a sense, that's not unusual, a mountain Related to a deity is not an unusual thing, even in the Bible. But he, God, doesn't need an earthly mountain. He doesn't need a temple. All right. He has always made his home with Israel, his people. The problem is Israelites didn't have enough faith to believe in that. The same way they didn't have enough faith to accept God as their king. So they came complaining to Samuel, give us the king. Give us a king like other nations. And Samuel told them, you don't realize that the king could become your tyrant. And of course, the people said, not if he's chosen by God. 
and you are his prophet and you can talk to God. In other words, bargain with God, debate, you know, just make a make a deal with him for us. We need a, we need an earthly king that can help us fight the Philistines. And of course, he warned them. It's not going to work the way you want it. And you know, Saul was a disaster. And even David, David became arrogant that he wound up committing adultery and murder. And then, you know, because of sin, and even look what happened to uh, Solomon. Solomon became arrogant himself, very, you know, lustful and everything. And eventually his the descendants of David became a disaster. All the way up to the Babylonian uh, captivity. You know, it's just that people don't don't really, human beings just don't have that kind of faith. And they often don't realize that maybe one generation says, okay, another generation can become a disaster. And, you know, when we see what's happening with our, with our government, eventually everything falls apart. But the purpose of it here is, is that God, his holy mountain, fairest of heights, is the joy of all the earth. This is the temple in Jerusalem. This is the Temple Mount. But also they realize that this is only a type figure. The psalmist is reminding them is the heavenly, the heavenly mountain. Mount Zion is the recesses of the north, the city of the great king. God is with her castles. Okay? Jerusalem. Renowned that's he's ta- is talking about Jerusalem. Renowned is he as a stronghold. As we had heard, so we have seen. In the city of the Lord of hosts, in the city of our God, God makes it firm forever. O God, we ponder your mercy within your temple. As your name, O God, so also your praise reaches to the ends of the earth. Of justice, your right hand is full. So you can see the Psalms are very beautiful about this. But it's, you know, even even the exile Psalm, Psalm 42 you know when it the psalmist is talking in exile you know he you know the psalmist has been t- uh, the priest has been taken captive and he's remembering when he used to minister those you know you 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 know you 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 see the pain in their hearts you know and everything all right let's uh go to the gospel all right so let's go on and the alleluia antiphon Alleluia, alleluia. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Alleluia, alleluia. Okay, this is from, the quote is from Mark, chapter 1, verse 15. And the gospel is from, the gospel according to St. Mark, chapter 6, verse 7 to 13. Jesus summoned the twelve and began to send them out. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Mark. Jesus summoned the twelve and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over unclean spirits. He instructed them to take nothing for, for the journey, but a walking stick, no food, no sack, no money in their belts. They were, however, to wear sandals, but not a second tonic, tonic or tunic, I'm sorry. He said to them, wherever you enter a a house, stay there until you leave from there. Whatever place does not welcome you or listen to you, leave there and shake the dust off your feet in testimony against them. So they went off and preached repentance. The twelve drove out demons. 
and they anointed with oil many who were sick and cured many. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. We'll read it one more time. The Gospel according to St. Mark, chapter 6, verse 7 to 13. Jesus summoned the twelve and began to send them out. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Mark. Jesus summoned the twelve and began to send them out, two by two, and he gave them authority over unclean spirits. He instructed them to take nothing for the journey but a walking stick, no food, no sack, no money in their belts. They were, however, to wear sandals, but not a second tunic. He said to them, wherever, wherever you enter a house, stay there until you leave them there. Whatever place does not welcome you or listen to you, leave there and shake the dust off your feet in testimony against them. So they went off and preached repentance. The twelve drove out many demons and they anointed with oil many who were sick and cured them. Okay, one more time. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, chapter 6, verse 7 to 13. Jesus summoned them summoned the twelve and began to send them out. Jesus summoned the twelve and began to send them out two by two, and he gave them authority over unclean spirits. He instructed them to take nothing for the journey but a walking stick, no food, no sack, no money in their belts. They were, however, to wear sandals, but not a second tonic. Uh, tunic. I keep saying that. He said to them, wherever you enter a house, stay there until you leave from there. Whatever place does not welcome you or listen to you, leave there and shake the dust off your feet in testimony against them. So they went off and preached repentance. The twelve drove out many demons and they anointed with oil many who were sick and cured, and cured them. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, so, so, um, well, Jesus summoned the twelve and began to send them, send them out two by two, and he gave them authority over unclean spirits. And if you notice at the bottom, the twelve drove out many demons, and they anointed with oil many who were sick and cured them. The twelve, he gave them a power, authority. This includes Judas Iscariot. This includes Judas Iscariot, the betrayer, the one who would betray the Lord. A lot of people, um, the authority of Christ, the authority of Jesus Christ is separate from the lack of integrity of the person who holds the office of the apostle or impeccability let's say let's put this let's say if the person doesn't is not impeccable remember peter himself was impetuous he often acted without thinking he spoke without thinking he was rash. You know, that's even, remember, James and John wanted to bring down, uh, the sons of Zebedee wanted to bring down um, 
lightning on the Samaritans because they rejected Jesus. That's, and, and remember how many times they themselves all had very weak faith. Remember how many times they didn't understand. Remember how many times, remember when Jesus came down the mountain after the, uh, the, the part about the, um, the transfiguration and remember how they couldn't, they couldn't perform an exorcism that the man's son just, just wasn't responding to them. That just goes to show you it's not it's it's not always based on their own um, um, spiritual integrity or, or or their faith. The power of Jesus will will do the job even when the priest lacks um, the grace. And trust me, you know how many times we have met priests that often scandalize the faith. How many times, you know, we, we look what we dealt with with the summer of shame, with the, the McCarrick scandals. The, I know it's people have a hard time and even I have a hard time. Trust me, even someone like myself or I've known friends that often are so shocked by the scandals that they, that they, that they want to abandon the faith. And this is the part like what I'm saying is that you don't abandon the faith. You don't jump ship. Remember, I always mentioned the boat is a symbol of the church. Okay. You don't abandon. Remember when Jesus in, in the Capernaum, when he gave the discord of a body of the that you must eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood. And remember how some of the disciples said, this is too difficult to, to comprehend, too difficult to, to accept. And they walked away. They abandoned him. And what did he say to Peter and the 12? Are you too going to leave me? Because they couldn't, they couldn't comprehend. Some of the disciples couldn't comprehend as he was explaining the Eucharist that you must eat the eat the bread and drink the blood for the bread is his flesh and the wine is his his you know his blood they couldn't accept it someone some of them said this is ridiculous this is nonsense and they left and they abandoned him but you know how you know let's be serious i mean does it is our faith dependent on other people. I mean, we do receive our faith from others, but a lot of times, you know, other people witness to us. Other people, other people's lives are testimony to the gospel. But do we really, uh, should our faith hang on, like, just because we hear a bad priest, someone who did some horrendous things, that we should stop believing? You can't, I don't think, I think you shouldn't treat your faith that shallow. This is what the devil wants. He wants people to abandon the faith. Judas was a scandal to the other apostles. And when, and remember when they, how much scandal you think he was when he was, when they were going around preaching the gospel and someone like, uh, you know, the story of Judas and the Peter's denial was a cause of, um, of scandal of scandal to people. People would say, are you kidding me? Are you telling me that this man who you preaching this Jesus of Nazareth, not that he was, not just that he was crucified, nailed to a cross, humiliated, beaten, 
spat upon, treated treated like garbage, and nailed to the cross like a dead uh, to a tree like a dead animal. And you're telling me that this is the man you believe in, and that he was betrayed, not just betrayed by one, but he was denied, and all the others abandoned him. And this is the man you're telling me is your God. <laughs> yeah, and guess what? They must have been laughed upon, and spat upon. And then the people would say, how can you, you telling me that you guys abandoned him? Why should I believe you? And you, you know, that's what I'm saying is it was difficult. It was difficult to pass, to pass this as a fact, but this is exactly what happened. This is how scandal the church was built on weak people. Not to mention that there was followers. Some of them were prostitutes. Other women were possessed by demons. Um, the fact that Jesus was the Messiah and his own nation, his own Jewish nation denied him, denied he even existed, denied he was a good Jew, wouldn't even mention his name. Yeah, this is, this is, this is the gospel and these are the men. And yet somehow they managed to get the gospel out there to be preached. They managed to get people to join the faith. All right, so I'm going to end it here. Let's go to an Our Father, Hail Mary, and we'll go to a St. Michael. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory now and forever. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now at the hour of our death. Amen. Saint Michael, Archangel of God, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wild, wicked attack of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And now, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the divine power of God, cast into hell Satan, all evil spirits, who proud the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. All right, folks, uh, I'll try to, I mean, if I don't see any of oh, those things, uh, those two episodes posted, um, I'll try to do the readings again. Um, but otherwise, if you can, please go to um, the Anchor, uh, get download the podcast, and uh, or go to the Facebook page, and you'll see um, episode 37... I believe 38, but you'll, you'll see, you'll see the episodes and you can listen to the, to the re, uh, readings and the uh, explanation I give on, on the, on the scripture passages. So God bless and try to join my Facebook page. I really would like to see the numbers um, just to see if people and leave some comments. I really would love to see some, receive comments from you guys and um, I'll read them all. And, you know, I really appreciate it and even if you go to the anchor podcast and leave some comments there's a, a a spot there you can like call up and leave some comments and you know just give me an idea what you think and how do you think i can improve it 
God bless and be well. All right. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.